Scott Washington just delighted at the segue as if I, you I, couldn't have seen that coming handle. a mile it away. Was wonderful. It's great radio right <laughs> here. <laughs> Live. It is time for History Matters. We are looking at this week in history with Scott Washington, historian extraordinaire, who joins us as always in the studio on Thursdays. How are you? Well, I am doing good, and I'll tell you, I'm just uh, almost off the ground because that last interview with Jim Ketchum was so good. He it was, was great, right? First hand account of going into space I have ever heard yeah. in my life. It was wonderful. Oh, and talking about bringing the United States and the Ukrainian flag on board yeah. and everything else, it was just wonderful. It was gripping. I didn't want to get out of the car. And, and I'm sure that's what people have when they yeah, listen to right? WCHL. It's got to be such a weird experience because that was an 11 and a half minute interview. And because I've got the I've got the file saved here. It was <laughs> it was an 11 and a half minutes long. And that was about the length of the trip. Like, it's a very short trip. Yes. You're up, you're back. It's very quick. But, you know, it's such a wild experience I assume I haven't done it myself but it's it's got to be such a wild experience that it just it just it stays with you forever well, I hope anybody who didn't hear that does get a chance to hear that because it's just a great first-hand account. The audio is up on chapelboro.com now, there so you can go, go there okay. and listen back if well, you missed it. Well, and I think, you know, talking about how experiences shape our life and how important that is, two people come up this week uh, in history. Uh, one name you probably know and one you don't. Uh, of course, uh, we all are familiar with Judge uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson mm -hmm. becoming uh, voted in as the associate uh, new associate uh, jurist of the Supreme Court. Um, but there's another name going back almost a century uh, that's also important. Her name is Jane Matilda Bolin. She was born April 11th, 1908. And uh, when she's 16, uh, and you know, this is the early part, and she's African-American, uh, she applies and uh, thought she might go to, I think, it, it, to a Vassar College. They did not have an inclusive policy, so she goes to Wellesley College. Mm. Uh, she's one of two African-American women and uh, has a kind of a rough time. And actually, one of her advisors uh, tries to discourage her from, from applying to Yale Law School. Well, you know, sometimes I think these experiences shape our lives just as Jim is, his experiences is shaping his life in profound ways, um, but it shapes her life in a profound way. And she goes ahead and applies to Yale anyways, becomes uh, the, the first person uh, in, uh, uh, to uh, graduate from Yale with great honors. And uh, she becomes a, a judge and becomes actually a judge because she's appointed by uh, a mayor in New York, uh, Fiora Lagardia, in 1939 at the World's Fair, <laughs> to her surprise. And she becomes the first black female judge in the country for 20 years. Yeah. And she's on this uh, court, a family court. Uh, she's on there for 40 years. And uh, she was barely 30 when she was appointed, exactly. right? Like, yes. that's already just incredibly impressive to reach that level that young. And other, other judges and other uh, African-American women have said that she was a model. But she was very kind of matter-of-fact about it. Uh, here she is a woman, here she is African-American, and she's a trailblazer and uh, always was very much an advocate. And I think and she admitted that these experiences shaped her life, <laughs> including in her early life. And there's another name that pops up this week, against, again, about experience that maybe no one would want, but it shapes her. And um, that is uh, none other than the one uh, name we know, Ann Sullivan. Mm -hmm. And you think of Helen Keller, well, this is her teacher. Ann Sullivan is born this week, uh, April 14th, um, and uh, she is an unusual 
woman who um, uh, is uh, her her father, her parents come from Ireland, the Great Potato Famine. Uh, then her mother dies. Uh, she contracts uh, illness uh, in her eyes, and she uh, almost blind. Mm -hmm. And her father doesn't think he can take care of the two kids. She has a younger brother. So he abandons them, and they go into uh, the, the care of the state. Her younger brother dies. Um, she's in the state care. This is at 10 years old for about a year in a terrible place in Massachusetts that was uh, subsequently closed. But uh, she goes into another place at age of 11 until 14, and it seems like, okay, well, this is good. She She's almost blind, and she says, take me to somewhere uh, that I can learn better. Mm -hmm. And her pleas are heard. She does, uh, and she goes into um, uh, Perkins School of the Blind and graduates as valedictorian. And at that particular point, there's a family in Alabama uh, that is well-to-do, but they have a child who was born normally with um, uh, hearing and sight, but then contracted an illness and at 18 months becomes deaf and blind, yeah. um, who we know now as Helen Keller. Yeah. So they reach out, and one of the people uh, in uh, Washington, D.C., uh, hears about this plight. Um, the fellow who invented uh, the, uh, our, our, the telephone, Alexander Graham Bell, who yeah. had a great interest in uh, hearing and the voice and, of course, the deaf, and reaches out. They reach out to uh, the Perkins School who say, oh, yes, well, here is the person you want. And because of her experience, having been in really difficult situations, she can identify with Helen. And they form a bond. And then uh, she uses unusual but very strict kind of teaching methods. And of course, we've seen the film, <laughs> The Miracle Worker, you know, spelling out, you know, putting her hand under water and then spelling out yep. what that is. And that leads to a lifelong uh, uh, companionship and teaching. Uh, and of course, uh, Helen Keller is also um, uh, someone who uh, Alexander Graham Bell would actually uh, find uh, uh, and and make sure that she got the attention she did. I just read a book we had, uh, when was this? This was about a month, two months ago. Uh, we had Elizabeth Emerson on, who's a, yes. a local author, whose great-great-grandfather was connected to Helen Keller and, and close to her and Ann Sullivan, so she'd written a book about that, Letters from Red Farm. It's a, it's a really good book, and it was a really fun conversation, but it was also really fun to uh, kind of dig into the stories that she was telling in the book and in our conversation yeah. about Ann Sullivan in particular, because you think of Ann Sullivan, uh, I, I think you, you hear stories about Ann Sullivan and Helen Keller, and yes. you hear about like the teaching methods and everything, you don't really think about them as people with their mm -hmm. own lives and their own quirks and their own flaws and foibles, and yes. she kind of digs into that, and it's oh, really fascinating wow, to see great. like someone like Ann Sullivan in action as a real person yes. who has who has interests and dreams and goals and challenges, you mentioned almost right. blind, and also grudges and complaints oh, yes. and bickering fights with people. Yeah, it's, it's, it, was, it was a fun book. It was a fun and book. And I think that shaped them both, you know. Yes. And so yeah. we're talking about, you know, the trajectory of life, whether it's into space or it's inner space, um, these are so important in what shapes history. And this date, April 12th, if we have time. We got time for one more. Okay, yeah, go for excellent. it. excellent. April 12th comes up because uh, there's two things. One, April 12th, 1776, Halifax resolves. Uh, this is when North Carolina... This is on the flag of North yes, Carolina. It's yeah, on, dates on the flag. This date is really important. Uh, North Carolina becomes the first colony of these English colonies 
to say it is time for independence and it instructs its delegates to the fledgling Continental Congress, go ahead and lobby the other uh, states. It is time. It's unanimous. 83 delegates, they vote for this. Uh, even the, I've read the um, text of that Halifax Resolve, and you can almost see the foreshadowing of the Declaration of Independence. Now, the Mecklenburg folks would say, well, it came out of us, but actually there's a lot there. So that's one one. And just to correct the record, I just have to mention April 12th, 1861, that's when uh, uh, Confederacy fires on Fort Sumter. Now, the reason I say that is because I have heard many times with, uh, with folks who have stood up and said it was the great Northern War of Aggression. Well, I'm here to correct the can record. can tell you that when we <laughs> learned about the Civil War in Michigan, yes. we did not learn about it that way. Yes, it is. That's all, y'all. So this is the factually <laughs> true. It's not an alternate fact. It's factually true. The Confederacy fires on Fort Sumter. It was a federal facility. They're the ones who engage in those first things. It's almost like saying uh, that Ukraine is to blame for Russia invading it. It's not true. So. Yep. Anyways, that's how history happens, whether it's in space or right here on our planet. And I love what Jim Ketchum uh, referred to as the borderless planet. And yeah. if we can grasp that and say we have more in common with people across this land and around the world, uh, we can find those common uh, spots uh, that are worth uh, celebrating and uniting us. And that's how history matters. Scott Washington, thank you so much. Thank you, Aaron.